The differences in research effort directed at diseases that affect men and those that affect women is one of the hot-button political issues in medicine today. Yet what about differences in medical care delivered to men and women? Specifically, are we truly gender-blind in caring for men and women with heart attacks? You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Benson, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Judith Lichtman, who's looking into just this question. She received her doctorate in epidemiology at Yale University School of Public Health, where she is an associate professor. She's also the co-principal investigator of the Virgo study. This study is examining how men and women with myocardial infarctions are treated differently by the medical profession. Thank you for joining us today, Judith. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Is there any evidence that men and women with heart attack get treated differently? Well, I think one of the things that we're really trying to look at in our study, which is the upcoming Virgo study, is whether or not there are differences in young men and women. There really has been very little evidence to help us understand whether or not there may be differences for this young age group. Certainly, information we draw from older populations do suggest that there may be differences in the receipt of procedures and therapies for women as compared with men, but really there has not been a study that has been dedicated to this younger age population. Well, let's talk about what does exist in terms of treatment of different genders in the older population. Can you review for our audience how men and women who are over the age of 55 get treated differently? has been evidence that utilization of cardiovascular interventional procedures may be different, that they are more often used in men as compared with women. Certainly, these studies have tried to identify whether or not differences in utilization may be due to clinical presentation or disease severity, but overall, the studies have indicated that there have been gender differences. Not only have there been gender differences at any given year, but some of the trends indicate that there are still these disparities with men receiving procedures more commonly than women. What about the origin of some of these differences? What evidence is there in terms of where the differences come from? Are the patients less sick? Are they presenting differently? Are there biases among the treaters? Has the training only been focused on men? Is there any evidence about why there might be these gender differences? I think these are all excellent questions that I think that many investigators have tried to sort out. I mean, certainly there are the aspects. Much of the work has been derived from either national registry data or selected I would say registries that people have volunteered from different hospitals or they've been site-specific studies. And I think that often people try to look at whether there are differences in the overall utilization of procedures between men and women. And then when there have been, there has been this interest in trying to understand some of the components. Is it such that people are not as ideal candidates for the procedures? Certainly restricting it for a variety of clinical reasons that someone maybe should not be a candidate for a therapy But I think overall, there has still been this finding that there tend to be gender differences and within those, even race differences in lower utilization among minority patients. So I think some of the commonly cited factors that may be contributing could be access to care. Certainly in many of these studies, there have not been the interviews with either patients or physicians to understand whether or not there are differences either in procedures being offered or reasons for referral. So I think there's still quite a bit that's not known about what are some of the underlying factors that may be contributing to these gender differences. As I mentioned, we do know that in the younger population, there's very little evidence for us to know whether or not there are potentially systematic differences. One area that we're interested in in particular is that 
we consider this younger population of women to not be the typical heart disease patients. They represent really less than 5% of all heart disease, and because they're premature events, the concern could be that either they're not identified as quickly or perhaps some of the process of care may differ. As part of our study, we're very interested in looking at the American Heart Association guidelines and assessing whether or not use of acute therapies, reperfusion therapies, adherence to secondary prevention modalities, whether or not the education that they receive about risk factor management are comparable for young women and men. It's my understanding that 5% of women who are destined to have heart attack have it before the age of 55. What's the corresponding number for men? Is it just heart disease starts much sooner in men? It does. I'm not as familiar with the exact number for men, but I certainly am familiar with some of the mortality rates. It has been shown, for example, from the NERMI that the actual mortality rate for men is somewhere more around 3%, whereas for women it's 6 to 7% in that younger age group. But as you point out, the actual distribution, I I certainly, the American Heart Association has wonderful statistics that are always available. We can certainly take a look at some of those for the actual numbers of men, but it is a much higher rate. It's, again, probably for men, it's a lower percentage of the total. Heart disease does tend to start and be more prevalent in younger age groups for men. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Judith Lichtman, an associate professor in the School of Public Health at Yale University. We are discussing how men and women with heart attacks are treated differently by the medical profession. So an important take-home message here is that there's some data that in older heart attack patients... There is a gender difference between men and women in that men are actually given more interventional procedures than women. Is that correct? That does seem to be the case, yes. And then the second take-home message is there's actually no data about this in younger populations, either for men or women. Well, the data is very limited. There haven't been any studies that are specifically focused on young patients. And the study that you're doing, the Virgo study, is certainly going to look at the differences in treatment and the differences in adherence to the American Heart Association guidelines, if there are any, between men and women. That's correct. Then the follow-on question is, you certainly will be able to tell if there's a difference. Is the Virgo study doing anything deliberately to try to ascertain why there would be a difference if a difference emerges? Absolutely. I think what's very important for us is that we're going to try and collect information from a variety of sources. We are going to be collecting information from the actual chart. That would include the utilization of recommended therapies, both acute and certainly during the hospital stay, as well as information that can be derived from any interventional procedures. So we are very interested in looking at the utilization In addition to looking at utilization, we're interested in looking at some of the potential complications that may occur. Certainly, studies have shown not only are procedures sometimes less commonly used in women versus men, but women tend to have more bleeding complications, for example, after some procedures. We would like to try and understand what are some of the early complications and perhaps differences between young men and women. In addition, we will be interviewing the participants about subsequent hospitalizations. As part of that, we'll get a sense of whether or not subsequent procedures would have occurred. So again, we're trying to put together a picture that helps us understand what is the actual process of care that has occurred. 
I think another dimension for us in this is to understand what are some of the perceived obstacles. So we will be able to get a sense of whether or not young women and men feel that they have adequate access, some of the socioeconomic factors that may influence some of their adherence to care will be very important for us to gather. So that is another level. In addition, we will look at use of additional subsequent services such as rehab services, things like that, that may in fact influence how well someone is able to recover. So for us, the quality of care is not only the acute therapies that will occur during the hospitalization, but understanding some of the differences in how well they tolerate some of the procedures and medications and how well they adhere to these regimens. And again, I think it's a very important opportunity for us to get a sense of how well our patients being treated in adherence to some of these traditional guidelines, and how well are they able to maintain the recommended therapies over time. So for our listeners, I think another way that you can look at some of these differences in the treatment of the two genders is you'll also have a host of other information. They're presenting symptoms, their medications, their family history, their comorbidities, so that if you do find a gender difference you will have some antecedent information that might or might not suggest why different treatments were recommended. Absolutely, and I think that's exactly correct. And in addition to that, it would be very nice if we could identify perhaps certain subgroups of patients by a certain number of characteristics, as you point out. Maybe it's sociodemographic, maybe it's psychosocial, maybe it's related to the comorbidities they have prior or coexisting with the event that may then contribute to whether or not they not only do well with their outcomes, but how some of the treatment factors may vary according to these different conditions. And again, I think it will give us a very important picture of what are the ways that we could improve the detection, the care, and outcomes of both young men and young women with heart disease, because really they have not been studied as a dedicated population in current literature. Will you have enough data and enough even geographic distribution of your participating recruitment centers to look at regional differences? Because I believe there may be some. You're absolutely right. In fact, the co-PI for the study, Dr. Harlan Krumholtz, has certainly done quite a bit with regional variation in adherence and or utilization of therapies. So while we are aware of it and are certainly very interested in looking at that, we have not specifically set a recruitment deadline for different regions of the country. However, we are drawing from diverse populations. We certainly are looking to enroll, as we mentioned previously, because events are rare at any one institution, we are in fact enrolling from quite a few hospitals around the country. We are making sure that we certainly have diversity in our population, and we are very interested to see whether or not we may be able to detect some regional differences. But again, I think it's one of those things that we will look for and we certainly are interested in, but it would have been very difficult to really design the study specifically to look at a certain number of regions. Well, I realize that that's a peripheral objective. No, but a very important one. I, I think it's a great point you raise, and in fact, we are very interested in understanding are there differences. Certainly, there are other studies that might be able to give us a sense, as you point out, that there have been regional differences, but as we pointed out, for the reason of the rarity of events and the type of information we will be able to obtain, both from chart review and personal interview, we feel this is going to be a very important and rare opportunity to start to look at some of these very complex and detailed relationships. Will you have information on a method of payment? Actually, we will have some of that from the medical chart, and we are asking questions of the participant to assess levels of SES, availability of insurance, 
things like that that we think will also be very important. We also asked them about their availability and access to care. We've been doing some qualitative interviews with a group of young women and men shortly after their AMI, and we have been getting interesting information, not just about insurance, but sometimes gaps in insurance and how that may or may not play a role in preventive services and follow-up services. So we are looking to really identify those factors in this study. I want to thank Dr. Judith Lichtman, an associate professor in the School of Public Health at Yale University, who has been our guest. We have been discussing how men and women with heart attacks are treated differently by the medical profession. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at ReachMD.com which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. Be safe. Be informed. Thank you for listening.